Good evening. Welcome to our Bible study tonight. I think when Darrell reset my podium up here, he put it a little too high. Can you see me? Ecclesiastes chapter 12. We're bringing to a conclusion our study in Ecclesiastes. We're going to cover verses 9 through 14 this evening. Uh, but for the sake of continuity, I need to read all of chapter 12. And so we'll read the chapter, we'll cover verses 9 through 14, and then we will conclude our study of Ecclesiastes. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, to Thee we express our love and praise, and to Thee our gratitude for Thy Word and Thy Son to guide and save us. Help us again tonight as we concentrate on thy word and examine ourselves accordingly before thee. In Christ's name, amen. So in Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes to us about life here on earth. And he's very clear that if you live under the sun, that's his expression for here on earth. If you live here under the sun without the maker of the Son, God, in your life, in your heart, all is vanity. And he repeats that theme over and over. Solomon is likewise clear that some things about life here under the sun are not clear to us now. Sometimes Solomon will startle us and give to us some of the almost unspoken realities of life on earth. And it's all for our good. But here in chapter 12, there's something that we know with certainty, but there may be times that we do not like it. And that is that we get old and die. Now, Solomon follows up and he says what's best to cope with that is to respond to God, the maker of the Son, and begin living for Him early in your youth, in the days of your youth. Let's just read Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come, and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails, because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, 
and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these, of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So, let's pick up the study now, beginning with verse 9 in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. We're going to navigate from 9 down through 14 and then wrap up our study. Solomon, for the purpose of this book, describes himself as a preacher. And much of what a preacher does is read, observe, weigh, study, arrange, and do all that with great care. And so in verse 9, Solomon describes that process of preparing to preach or teach or write. He says, besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. If we're going to preach or teach or write or type or communicate to people about God, these are the fundamental elements of being prepared for that. See, a writer cannot just sit down and start typing. There must be something to write, some content that has been weighed and organized, which may involve a combination of reading and research and organizing and thinking, very often with first, second, third, and fourth drafts. A preacher cannot just get up on Sunday morning and open his mouth. There's preparation, there's reading, study, revision, editing. Uh, there, there is nothing, I told someone one time, there's nothing about wearing a suit and standing up before an audience that will give you words. You've got to have those words well-ordered and organized before you get up there. So read and study and prepare. And that's the process that Solomon brings up here in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and in verse 9. Even though he was guided by one shepherd, inspired by the Holy Spirit, God didn't bypass the thought and work process that Solomon had to go through when he collected these things together. So in order to teach people knowledge, there is work to be done, there's time to be invested, but it's all for good purpose, particularly if you're conveying what God has written. Verse 10, the preacher sought to find words of delight 
and uprightly he wrote words of truth. Well, here's another couple of words we can add to that process of preparing to communicate to people about God. The word sought can be added to the other words that were gathered together in verse 9. We had the words weighing, studying, arranging, and now we have finding and seeking. So here we are given the impression that an intense amount of work went into producing Ecclesiastes. Even though the writer was inspired, he was not robotic. He had to think through what was given to him, and it required also integrity in his work. Uprightly, he wrote words of truth. He had to be a good, careful steward in giving exactly the message that he received. I want to stop here and make application, and I've already indicated this to some extent. Wise people will seek to find the best possible way to present the truth to others. If Solomon, who was inspired by the Holy Spirit, had to take time and work and give thought and take care about how he delivered the message, we certainly must when we deliver a message to someone in conversation or in writing. So if you foresee some opportunity to talk to someone about the Lord, maybe to send an email these days, to write a letter or teach someone one-on-one, -on -one, or in whatever circumstance, public or private, give some thought to what you're going to say and how you're going to say it. Try to organize your thoughts in a good logical se uh, sequence. And I know you've heard this before. You cannot teach what you have not learned. Those of you who are or were teachers were probably taught that in Education 101. You cannot teach what you have not learned. So if you're going to talk to somebody about the Lord or write something for someone to read in a letter... Remember what Solomon said about the work involved. And he was inspired. Read Scripture, study Scripture, pray about your selection of words, and take the time to the best of your ability to deliver knowledge in the most effective way. That's what I gather from verses 9 and 10 in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Questions or comments? Follow-ups? Verse 11, the words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. There's a lot there for us to talk about. We should take a few minutes to understand the reference here to these things mentioned, goads and nails. Goads were prods, rods or sticks, or you might picture the staff of a shepherd. And goads were used to move and direct animals and keep them on the right pathway. Nails, we may be more familiar with, nails function as fastening devices to attach lumber, to firmly fix one thing to another. 
wise words given by God through Solomon can find these purposes within us. When I read and study and listen to the Word of God, and when I take it personally and seriously, I'm being prodded. I'm being kept in line. I'm being prodded to stay on that pathway that is correct. I'm being moved by the Word. Likewise, when I come to a class like this and I have my Bible open and I'm listening, Bible teaching is presented, provided I'm listening and wanting to apply it, it's like nails fastening the truth into our lives. So the idea of a goad is to keep you in line, keep you going in the right pathway. In the case of animals, to nourishment or to water or where they need to be, to keep you in line. Nails have the idea, they carry the idea of fastening the truth into our lives. I've had people say to me, after a Bible class or a sermon, not because I had anybody in my target or anything, but I've had people say to me, you nail me. Well, it really wasn't me. If I was presenting the Word of God, the Word of God has the power to nail us and goad us and keep us on the right pathway, provided we're willing to listen with humility and we're willing to change and ready to do better. Goads, by the way, can hurt. Nails can penetrate. But we need the goads and the nails of God's perfect wisdom for life. Now, here's an important expression. Given by one shepherd. Did you see that in verse 11? And it may be in some translations, perhaps not all of them, but in many of them, shepherd may be in uppercase. Shepherd may be in uppercase in your Bible. It is in this English Standard Version. I understand this to mean there was divine guidance behind Solomon's work in writing Ecclesiastes. There was inspiration behind the words of Solomon. I believe this one shepherd is none other than God Himself. Behind the preacher, the writer in Ecclesiastes, there was the shepherd. And you may relate that to something Solomon's daddy said. Let's see. What was it that David said that may relate to this expression about one shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So that is connected. This makes Ecclesiastes 12, 11, one of many verses in the Old Testament, taking us to the conviction that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. This is an example of that premise, that the Bible, the Old Testament, is the Word of God. We believe the New Testament contains statements similar to this, affirming that what we have here is wisdom 
from the one shepherd, the maker of the sun. Anything you'd like to add? We're working Ecclesiastes 12, and we're working from 9 through 11. So we come to 12. Solomon takes on the role of a father counseling his son. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Now, this is a familiar format for Solomon. Because much of the book of Proverbs, Proverbs contains sayings from God that Solomon collected together. Much of the book of Proverbs is written in the father-son format. All through Proverbs, you'll find that phrase, my son, and then there will be a warning, there will be a command, there will be an illustration. So that's familiar to us, having read the Proverbs of Solomon. Here, what he says is, don't go beyond. Don't go beyond these words. We very frequently emphasize, don't go beyond Scripture. In the New Testament, there are very specific warnings like this. In Galatians chapter 1, or in 2 John 9, we conclude quickly when we read those warnings. Stay with the truth that you know is right, given in Scripture. Don't believe, teach, or act beyond Bible authority. Don't go out in search of something that contradicts truth you already have read from God. If we have what God has given, His sufficient Word, there ought to be absolute satisfaction. I'm satisfied with this. This is sufficient. Combined with our disinterest, in fact, our dissatisfaction with anything other than the real Word of God. Solomon expresses his exhaustion in the early part of this paragraph. Being involved in all the study and work and effort to get this book into our hands, and he affirms it came from one shepherd, and then he says, Beware of anything beyond this. So, verse 9. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads. And like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. Solomon was exhausted. But he gave what was imparted to him from one shepherd. And then he said, don't go beyond this. Now, let's take this home. Verses 13 and 14. 
this is where everything has been headed. From Ecclesiastes 1 verse 1, this is the destination, the end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So, this is very important. This is where we've been headed. After all of his preaching, poetic expressions, illustrations, enigmas, grim realities about life under the sun, and after all the Proverbs, now here, Solomon says, this is what I'm talking about. He drives into his readers the final nail. The final nail. Fear God and keep His commandments. Now, we don't have to spend 30 minutes talking about what that means. It has such beautiful simplicity to it. Fear God is to honor Him and respect Him and worship Him with all your heart, respecting His power and taking Him seriously every day. While you live under the sun, the best way to live is by reverencing the maker of the sun. This is where Solomon has been headed. Now, if you reverence God, if you fear Him, what will the active outcome of that reverence be? It'll be obedience. And that's the next phrase. Keep His commandments. That, that, that's simply about doing what He says to do. If you respect God, a product of that respect will be to search out His commandments and do what He says. What matters most while we're here on earth under the sun is to hold God in the highest esteem. But not just a mental thing or an emotional thing, holding Him in the highest esteem, then you do what He says. It's that simple. Now, knowing this, as I move into the New Testament, it all comes together. Jesus will come again someday. Romans 2.16 says, On that day God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. In Acts 17.31, God has fixed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom He has ordained, and He has given assurance by raising Him from the dead. So when we come to the end of Ecclesiastes, we are left with really only one question. Am I ready to stand before God in judgment? And if I'm not, what I need to look at in my life is, do I really reverence, do I really fear God? And does that respect generate in my life obedience to His commandments? That's where it all 
comes together. And in the New Testament, trust in and obey Jesus Christ. And you'll be ready to stand before God in judgment. Questions? Comments? Right. That is a theme repeated all through the Old Testament and you discover in the Old Testament history what happens when people are not living in the fear of God. You discover what happens when this end of the matter is not the duty they take hold of. Good point. Let me add this. At this point in Ecclesiastes, there's no doubt where Solomon has been taking us. His intention all along has been to take us to this destination. Do you remember what I said if you were here in our very first class in Ecclesiastes? I said, let me remember how I worded that. Read the book of Ecclesiastes in one sitting. And here's why I said that. If you read a part of Ecclesiastes here, and then you jump over and read another part of it here and another part of it here. By the way, you don't read other literature that way, do you? But if you just read sections of it without arriving at the destination, Ecclesiastes is going to drive you right to depression. Because Solomon startles us with all of these realities of life under the sun. And over and over he says, vanity, all is vanity in a chasing after the wind. So to avoid being depressed by reading isolated sections of Ecclesiastes, I recommended before we started that you read the entire book. That is to say, take the whole journey and don't get off until you're at the last stop. And we're at the last stop here. We're at the end of the matter. Solomon wants to take us away from the vanity of the earth to the glory of heaven. And the way he does that is, he convinces us that life under the sun by itself is vanity. And then he takes us to the maker of the sun. And he teaches us what we need to live here. And that's a right relationship with God. I have some takeaways, but before that, anything you'd like to add? In this section we've studied tonight the challenge of communicating is put before us. We talk with people in common conversation about a number of things that we may not be too careful about. We may talk about the weather and not really know what's going to happen there. We may talk about I guess football is on the minds of a lot of people now, the game coming up, things like that that we may not be very careful about. When you talk to somebody about the Lord, you really need to be careful how you frame your words and how you come across. You need to be certain that you're communicating to them only what's here. Beware of anything beyond these. So you need to be careful about that. And then you need to be careful about your demeanor and how you come across. Paul said preaching the truth or speaking the truth in love. 
So in casual conversation, many things may come up that we're just not that careful about. We have to be careful about this. Verse 9 speaks to the care that must be diligently practiced by the teacher, preacher, writer, or the conversationalist or friend when we're talking to people about their relationship with the Lord. Number two, the Word of God functions in two ways. One, it spurs us on. Living according to what God's Word declares is the best thing for us. To fight against the law of God is painful and fruitless. It's like an animal struggling against the staff or the rod or the goads. You just take yourself to a bad place when you struggle against the Word of God. The Word of God spurs us on or goads us in the right direction. We need to be amenable to that. Two, the Word of God produces firmness and stability. I love the illustration Solomon uses. Nails. Nails keep things together. I need to have the truth kept close to me. It needs to be nailed down. And so other reading material may inform us, but the Bible transforms us if we approach it with the fear of God within and we do not struggle or strike out against the goads or if we resist the nails of the truth in our lives. We have coming up someday a final exam. You know, that's uh, probably something that for many of us has a negative connotation, exam. Oh, it's exam time. We remember final exams from school and college. But those exams, generally speaking, were scheduled. So if you knew you were going to have an exam on Monday, where were you Sunday night? Your head was in a book. You were cramming for that exam. You knew when that exam was going to come. Uh, this excludes the pop quizzes that sometimes would occur in high school and college, and you were not ready for those perhaps, but even with some teachers you knew when those were coming. We don't know when the final exam of life will come. Tonight? Tomorrow? We don't know. So the best way to live is this destination statement. Fear God and keep His commandments now. In fact, how does chapter 12 begin? Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Start early getting ready for that final exam because you don't know when that's going to come. And as Sharon has already mentioned to us, fearing God is a theme all through Scripture. It is not talked about so much anymore, is it? In general society, proportionally, there is much more talk today about praising God 
How many of you know people who have some religious element in their life, maybe not according to Scripture, and they're always talking about praising God? We love to talk about praising God. When's the last time somebody said, I'm fearing God? Proportionally, we seem to prefer talking more about praising God than we do fearing God. Yet Solomon says, if you're going to live here under the sun, this is what you need to do. Fear God and keep His commandments. Now, praising God should not be given up. Don't misunderstand. But perhaps it would be good for us to also talk and think about fearing God. That's a healthy respect for His power, for His sense of justice, and let me add the terror of offending Him. Our obedience will never be what it should be if separated from the fear of God. One of the very first times I studied the book of Ecclesiastes seriously, I marked out in chapter 12 key words. And here's some of the words I had marked out in chapter 12, not in this Bible, but in a much older Bible years ago. I had these key words highlighted in Ecclesiastes 12. Remember, fear, Keep, beware of anything beyond these. I think that's a good summary of Ecclesiastes 12. And it requires response and action on our part. Remember, fear, keep, and beware of anything beyond these. All right. Final comments about Ecclesiastes you'd like to offer. Yes, ma'am. Yes, that chapter you're talking about, Psalms um, 119, 119 is a thorough explanation of what the Word of God will do for you. It's a lengthy chapter and it seems repetitive, but what the writer is doing in that chapter is repeating over and over with different images and word pictures what the Word of God will do for you and it incorporates what your response to the Word of God ought to be. So if you have a lamp, that functions to tell you what the Word will do for you, but then you need to walk in the light of that lamp. Very good reference passage. Anything else? Ecclesiastes. Or Ecclesiastes chapter 12. All right, I've got a few minutes. Tell you where we're headed. We're going to go to the book of Colossians, beginning Sunday, February 4th. I'm going to recommend that you read the entire book of Colossians through maybe a couple of times. I timed it out. Some of you may read uh, quicker than I'm able to read. But it'll take about 20 minutes to read Colossians. If you have 40 minutes between now and Sunday, read Colossians through in one sitting. And I think it will help you prepare for what we're going to do. Tonight, at the back, you'll see some study pages for each class in Colossians.
there's going to be a study page. Some of these are two pages, front and back. Some of them are just one side, and it's a summary of what we're going to study. And these will all be out at least one class before uh, we come together. So pick up the one tonight for February 4. And if you visit our website, all of these through March, I think, are on the website. I think I have all of them loaded on the website. So if you want to, if you don't pick up one of these in print here, you can download it into your computer and print it out or put it on whatever device you have. Do I have three more minutes? Please. Two more minutes. Go to our website. And up there at the top, you're going to see all that. Can you read that? I know. So here's what that looks like. And up here, you will see Colossians right there. If you click on that, it's going to take you to this page. And all these study pages are right there in PDF. And you can download those. And as we progress, I will put the others up there. So you can either pick up the printed sheet or you can download from our website and I hope that that will serve you well in the study of Colossians. We will begin Sunday morning. Thank you very much for your good attention to our study this evening.